All right, so we are going to jump straight into our series, week five of Love Busters, and I'm bringing in the big guns this morning. So I'm going to ask my wife to help me. Um, so, yeah. So we, are, we have been studying the most famous few verses um, in the Bible on love, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, if you've been to a wedding in the last couple of months or years, you've probably heard those verses read. Um, it's, it's, a lot of folks have it memorized, but it's um, what we are seeing going through this passage together is that Paul not only talks about what love does, but he talks about what love doesn't do. And we call those love busters. And so there's six or seven things that Paul talks about that love never does. That love is not prideful. Love is not selfish. It, it, it doesn't um, have angry outbursts, right? We went The last four weeks we've been going through things that break down love in any relationship. In marriages, relationships at school, relationships on the job. Um, and it's amazing how the Bible and science agree on this. And so we've had a, a complimentary book to go along with this series called Love Busters, um, written by a man named Dr. Harley, who is a um, counselor, and he had a large practice at one time with hundreds of counselors underneath him. And in his time counseling relationships and counseling couples, he found six love busters. And all six are listed in 1 Corinthians 13. So it's pretty amazing. So today we're on, we're on love buster number five. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to talk about annoying habits, I'm not doing it by myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, you know, I thought, all right. <laughs> but I'm going to read. I don't want to get in trouble, y'all. I like sleeping in the bed. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, the couch gets uncomfortable. No. no, uh, <laughs> no. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to read out of a little bit of a different translation. It's called the Amplified Translation, and so there's a little more in there. So we're going to start in verse 4. It's just four verses this morning. The writer tells us that love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It's not jealous. It's not envious. Love doesn't brag. Love is not proud or arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking, it's not provoked or overly sensitive, easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. Verse 6, it does not rejoice at injustice, but it rejoices with the truth. When right and when truth prevails, love bears all things regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each other and each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening so love never fails it's amazing some of the most beautiful writing that we have it's a word picture of true love of agape love and today you know we've looked at the big things over the last four or five weeks we looked at selfish demands right those are those can can end a relationship we looked at angry outbursts right we talked about the hulk He's nice at one moment, and then in another moment, he's tearing down buildings, right? Like, we, that we all have this tendency to where if we get angry in any relationship, it damages the relationship. Um, we, so we looked at the big things, but in our verse today, and I use the amplified version because there's some small things in there. Not really deal breakers, right? If somebody's rude, I'm not going to quit my job over a rude boss, maybe. I don't know. Depends on how rude they are, I, you know? I mean, if, if someone's bragging... Somebody brags a lot, that's not a deal breaker. You know, if, uh, if somebody is being overly sensitive, that's not, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to end the relationship over that. 
But these are all small little things that, that Dr. Harley describes as just annoying habits. Right? Have you ever had anybody get on your nerves? Don't raise your hand. If they're with you, don't look at them. You know, but and when, we're, when we're dating or when we're, you know, when we're pursuing someone or we first start our relationship, we look for the big stuff. Like, have you been to prison? How many times? What'd you do? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, big stuff. Like, you know, are you a compulsive liar? Can I, can I believe what you say? If I can't, we can't go any farther. Do you have a crazy anger spell? You know, like, are you, I mean, like you're looking at the big things. But what about the small things? In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, the whole book of the Song of Solomon is about blossoming love. It's about a young man that meets this woman, and they start dating, and they fall in love, and they get married. It's a beautiful book. We went through it a couple years ago, um, verse by verse, together. But I want you to see this verse here, verse 15 of chapter 2. It says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom." So what does that mean? Catch for us the small foxes. So in the, I think what the writer means by that is I had to do some research on this. I've never had a vineyard. It would be cool to have one. But in that day when they were growing vineyards, if you've been out west and seen the, the, you know, the vineyards in California, it's amazing. And they're not so much concerned about the big foxes as they are the small foxes. Now, I didn't know any of this until I started researching it. So the big foxes can be seen easy. The big foxes are, are large enough to where they can reach up and grab the fruit that they want. But the small foxes, they come in unaware. They come in and you can't see them. And what they do in order to get what they want, they gnaw at the branch of the vine. And over time, they come back every day and they gnaw and they kill the vine. And so what I'm seeing, I think what the writer is telling us in 1 Corinthians is that small little annoyances and small, small things can become big deals in our relationships if we don't approach them, if we don't, if we don't deal with them head on. Yeah, and we all have them, right? The little quirks, the, the funny little things that were cute when you were first dating. After a few years of marriage... You may not find them so cute anymore. Right. <laughs> they might be more like annoying habits in your relationships. And so while we all have them, they're all different. You know, it might be how he loads the dishwasher incorrectly. Or at least I load it. <laughs> at least he loads it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> or where he clips his toenails at. Or <laughs> Hey, you asked me to do this with you. <laughs> it's a fair game. Or everybody does manners. it on the front porch. No, not everybody clips their toenails on the front porch, okay? Oh, no. At okay. least we've graduated from the kitchen. But, okay. um, <laughs> but we all have different things in our relationships that, that can be annoying. And it's not so much about what they are, but the important thing is that we are aware of them and we take the time to recognize them within our relationships and we're able to be honest with each other about them so that they don't become the big problems in our relationships. And so I know we had to have had some annoying habits even in the early days of our marriage. Can you remember any of mine? I really can't. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I've been praying about it. For a few months, really. And okay, mean, well, I'm going to take this time. Okay. <laughs> what, do I have any? I'm Can kidding. No, I, two already. No, I, I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> I knew he was going to ask me about this, so I did think back, and, and it took me a minute. 
to think about one, um, but then instantly it came to me. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's not something that he does anymore, so we can talk about it today. Uh, so when we first got married, this used to drive me crazy, smacking, like open mouth smacking right in your ear. So we would sit down like on the couch, snuggle up for a movie, and we'd have all of our movie snacks. And I couldn't even watch the movie because it was so annoying. And finally, I had to tell him about it. And we've worked through it, and he doesn't do it anymore. I'm sorry I like to enjoy my food when I eat it. I mean, that's just the way that, no, just, actually, I think, uh, I think I can remember one about you now. Oh. Yeah. So uh, I got it. Okay, and so when we first started dating, so I'm going to go way back, because that's, that's how far I got to go to find it. You know what I'm saying? This, is, this was 20 years ago. We dated way too long. Dated like seven years, been married almost 13, so that's a long time. But when we first started dating, I'd come and visit Caitlin at her mom and dad's, and her mom just kept, keeps the house. It's like Southern living. I mean, the house is just perfect. You could eat off the floors. The, you know, everything is spotless and clean. Until you got into Caitlin's room, <laughs> okay? And then you, you got to Caitlin's room, and there's like a trail to the bed. You know, there's a trail to the closet. And so for a few years, you know, when we first got married, we would have each side of the closet. My closet, the clothes were on the hangers. Her side, the clothes may be on the floor. And that bothered me a little bit, clearly. <laughs> so... A little bit? Just a little bit. <laughs> well, why, why is that important? Well, I think, number one, according to, you know, research, we're going to spend two to three hours a day with your spouse. Two to three hours a day. If you do that for 15 hours, right, 15 hours a week, over 780 hours a year, that's around 31,000 hours in a 40-year marriage. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's impressive. Now, now, take this and put it on the job. You're going to spend way more time with your coworkers. You really are. And imagine if you got a leaky faucet and you're setting yourself up to listen to that drip for 40,000 you know, 40, hours. It's a lot. And so how do we confront these things? How do we talk about them? How do we deal with them and the, the smacking and the unorganized closets? Um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's critical that we're able, number one, to talk about them. And I just want to give a few things just quickly that I feel like um, will help us because... I'm finding that marriage is a mirror. When we get married, it's a mirror. And you're going to start seeing things in your life, or your spouse is going to see things in your life that you didn't know about. I didn't realize I smacked. I just enjoyed eating. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, but then, and then I realized, like, I eat with my mouth open. I kind of, you know, that's, 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 it's loud. And I think with, you know, we both found things in our lives that we didn't know were there. And so as we worked through them, I think the, the biggest thing that we found, I'm going to let Caitlin pick up, is, is that uh, we're able to talk about it, right? It, it doesn't just go under the surface for months and years. Yeah. Marriage is supposed to be the most important, the closest relationship that we have of all of our relationships. And in Genesis chapter 2, we read about the first mentions of marriage and in Genesis 2, verse 24, there's a verse that says, Therefore will a man leave his father and his mother and will cleave to his wife, and they will be one flesh. And I love that King James Version because it uses the word cleave, which actually means to be glued together, to be tight. And so that tells me that 
our marriage relationship is supposed to be so tight together, glued together, that we literally look and act like one flesh. It has to be the closest relationship that we have out above every other relationship in our lives. It has to be the, the best one, the closest one, the most important one, the one that you invest the most time in, the most energy in, the most thought into. That has to be that relationship. And in order for it to be that tight and that intimate, it takes work. And what's great about that is that some of that work that we can put into building our marriage and building our relationship is fun. And I think that's really important for us to remember in marriage is that we don't want it to be a business relationship. When you take fun out of relationship, you take intimacy out of marriage, it just is a business relationship and nobody wants that. We have business relationships, but marriage is supposed to be different. And so we are supposed to have fun together and that fun stuff can also be work, you know, the date night, the morning coffee together, all the fun things, the adventures that you go on, the family vacations. That's fun work that we get to do to help build our relationships. But the work that's not as fun is the work that we're talking about today. It's taking the time to look at our relationships and look at ourselves and see where we might have some annoying differences or habits, some things that we can work on by ourselves, but we can work on together and help build and strengthen our relationships. And so as we do that, I know you want to tell us a little bit about what a habit is. Yeah, so a habit, you know, is according to Webster, Webster's Dictionary, I'm just going to read the, the definition. It's uh, a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. And we find, I think Aristotle said it best, that we form habits and then our habits form us. And I'm finding in my life, easy, you know, it's easy to form bad habits. Like if you're an athlete or you play any kind of sports, that's something you work on every day. If you golf, you work on your swing to get rid of bad habits. Like if you play baseball, if you play football, you know that bad habits are easily formed. They're hard to get out of. And so as we look at these habits, these are things that we might have been doing most of our life, but nobody noticed it until we got close enough to someone. And the thing about habits, what I love about habits, according to uh, Charles Duhigg, he wrote a, a book called The Power of Habit. And so the whole book is basically how you can take habits that you have in your life, unhealthy ones, and replace them with healthy ones. And so as we look at these, I think as we go through this and we identify these habits in our partner, spouse's life, people that we, that we are around every day, we're not trying to call out things in people's lives, but we're just trying to get better. Because everything we do, everything that we're involved in is, is, has a relationship connected to it. Every, everywhere that we go, if your relationships are doing well, your life is doing well. And so that's, that's really the goal of this. Yeah. And I love to shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> Amen. No. <laughs> that might be one of my annoying habits I was going to go there, but yeah. <laughs> but every good company has a good complaint department. Mm-hmm. And they're set up to receive complaints, but then not just to receive the complaints, they're set up to look at the complaints that come in and see how they can improve their practices. And I think it's the same in our marriage relationships. We need to be able to have a safe enough relationship, a healthy enough relationship that we can bring complaints to each other. And notice I'm saying complaint and not criticism because it's a fine line there between bringing a complaint and a criticism. And so when we bring our complaints to each other, then we can look at those together and see some of those things we might be able to change and make better. And so 
identifying annoying habits within our relationships, we need to remember that we need to do that in a respectful way. And that's our first point today, is to identify annoying habits in a respectful way. Yeah, Proverbs 15, verse 4 mm. says, Gentle words bring life and health. I like gentle words. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, even when you're talking about differences and you're talking about annoying habits, you know, it can get escalated fast. Mm -hmm. And I think what, what I'm finding is that, you know, Billy Graham said it best. He talked about how his job was not to judge. His job is to love. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're, when we're looking at our differences and we're looking at things within our, our, our spouse's life or if it's a relationship that's close to us, one of the greatest ways that we can really change a person is to love them well. And so it's, it's, it's respectful, it's kind, it's a gentle word, right? Turns away wrath. So this isn't like, if we just came off of an argument, it's probably not time to start bringing up annoying habits. You know what I mean? Like if we, if we just got through, uh, you know, discussing something and we're, we're disagreeing, but it's something that we're, we're, we're aware of and we're talking through and we're working on it together. Yeah. We don't want to be nagging, and yep. I know that women, we tend to do that sometimes. We can, we can nag a little bit. And so Proverbs 27:15 says, A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. So we don't want to be How'd that like get that. In there? <laughs> he put that in there. He snuck <laughs> okay. that one in there. But no. it's true, and, and we don't want that. Right? We don't want that. <laughs> no. We don't want to be the drip, drip, drip that drives our husband crazy. So it's something we have to be aware of and we have to think about it. You know, you can address the concern or the complaint and then back off and give it some time because change does not happen overnight. Right? They didn't develop that habit overnight. They're not going to change that habit mm -hmm. overnight. And another thing that's important to remember is that we're not trying to change the person I love Nathan. I love everything about him. I don't want to change him, but there are some habits that I would like to change. And so that's important to remember that we want to seek to change the habit and not the person. We need to remember the things about the person that we fell in love with. Those things that we love about him that we couldn't get enough of when we were dating. Yeah. We need to think about those things. And Philippians 4, 8 is perfect for that. Whatever is honorable, pure, just, lovely, the list goes on. Think on those things. Remind yourself when we're working on our relationship, when we're working on our annoying habits, it's good to remind yourself of the good qualities that they have too. Remind yourself what attracts you to them, what attracted you to them all those years ago. And think about those things too. Don't just think about whatever it is that's annoying you. Think about the good things. Think about that he's loading the dishwasher, even though he's doing it wrong. Think about... <laughs> I mean, how many guys in here wash dishes? Let me see. No, I'm just kidding. No. Girls, if you leave them you out long enough, they will load them. They're soaking. <laughs> I soak them. Okay. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> one, one thing, um, Quint Studer about 10 years ago came and spoke at Pepsi. Y'all know I worked there for a little while? I That's yeah. an annoying habit. Yeah, it's a very annoying habit. <laughs> Y'all are so tired of Every Pepsi stories. Every time he says it, I cringe. Yeah. <laughs> We've heard it. We know you Not this one. There. This is a new one. No, it's a new story. Okay. 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 But um, it was when he first moved in the area, and, um, and so we were able to get him to come and speak to all the employees, 200 employees or so. We brought everyone over from Mobile, 
and he spoke on customer service, and it was amazing. And I'll never forget it. It's what really caused me to become a student of his literature and the books he wrote. But anyways, he, he shared something that was so good, and he was talking to the supervisors. He said, imagine if every time your phone rang from your spouse, it was because they needed something or it was a correction. He said, and sometimes your employees can feel like that. They see your phone ring and you're their supervisor and they know they need to go fix this or something's wrong. He said, so this is what you should do. You should, if you're going to give one criticism, it should come on the heels of five compliments. And so before you tell that employee that their shirt's not tucked in, you should thank them for getting to work on time. You should thank them for coming to work the last month and making it on time, right? You should thank them that their pants are clean, right? Or whatever, like, like five, you can find five good things. I think when it, and when it comes to addressing these annoying habits, right, we meditate on the good, we mention what needs to be corrected. And so it's coming on the heels of compliments, it's coming on the heels of affirmation. Now don't do all that at once right before bed, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, like try to spread out the compliments over the day, like, you know, like maybe one at breakfast, one at lunch. But this, this ratio of five to one, I, it's, I thought it was so good and it, it really lifted the whole morale at, at Pepsi when he came and, and shared that. Because it just made people really value their, 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 the people they were working with and their supervisors. And I thought, man, that's really good. Yeah. And it's easy to compliment somebody when you love them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to remember. First Peter 4.8 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And so we both have flaws. We both have imperfections and things that are annoying, things that we need to work on and improve. But love covers, love protects. Yeah. And so when we're loving each other through the day-to-day, -day, through the annoying habits and, and everything else that comes in our day-to-day -day lives, when we're loving each other well, it's going to cover so much. Mm -hmm. So much so that you may not even notice some of those things anymore when we're loving each other well. And I think it's important to remember that it's our job to love and it's God's job to change. That's good. And so when we're loving each other through it, because mm -hmm. it may be a habit that's more serious than the funny ones that we're talking yeah. about here, because we all I've have them. I've had some of those. Yeah. <laughs> it may be a more serious problem or issue that's a habit. But when we love each other through it, that's how we strengthen our relationship. That's how we build that trust. And, you know, we recently retook the five love languages test. We took it years ago before we even got married. And Nathan had the book out as he was preparing for this series. And he had taken the test. And I was curious to see if his love languages had changed over the years. And so I took it too. And surprise, surprise, our love languages have changed probably because we've grown a little bit. We were really young when we first got married. And we're still really young. But yeah. um, <laughs> had to think about what I just said. We are still really young. Um, but our love languages changed over the years. And what's funny is they are actually the same right now. What we both want out of our relationship is the same. And so I thought that was really interesting. And so I snuck a look at the book and his statements that came to the same results that I got were different than my statements. And so what I was thinking, oh, well, he needs the same thing that I need, and he wants the same thing that I want. But the statements that got us to the same results were actually a little different. And so I loved looking through that and seeing what he circled that he wanted because it let me know what he wants. 
And it's important to recognize and know what's important to your spouse, what speaks love to them, what their love language is, because then we can work on showing that to them and loving them well. And it is different. And you know what? It, it may change over the years like ours did. And so it's important to be in that continual relationship where we're learning and growing together so that we're loving each other well, because we have differences but we've got to learn to value the differences within each other That's good. so that they're not just annoying habits that we have that make each other different, but they're differences that we can learn from, we can grow from, and we can grow together, and they can actually strengthen our relationship. That's our next point is to learn to value our differences. And, you know, Nathan and I came from different backgrounds, different lives, upbringings, but he had been out on his own for a little bit before we got married. We got married, and I moved straight out from my parents' house with just a handful of responsibilities and bills and a very fun shopping habit. <laughs> <laughs> and I moved into Nathan's home, our home together. And, you know, I, I think it's great. He has a really great budgeting and financial planning He's really strong in that. But when we first got married, it was annoying to me because what I saw it as is I can't go out and shop like I used to. And he put me on a budget. I canceled her card, actually. <laughs> Gave her her own checking account. He did. He did. <laughs> I did, actually. He did. He's not kidding. <laughs> but he had me on a budget. Not to say my parents set me up to do well in life. And they taught me all these things. But when I got on my own, I was like, woohoo, here we Money go. Money in the bank. I'm going to go to the store and spend it. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what's. But what I thought was annoying at first, I've, I've learned to see that I'm really, really grateful that God has gifted him and blessed him with that financial planning sense and, and made that an important thing to him so that he brought that into our marriage and our family. And now, all these years later, I'm thankful that he put me on a budget and I didn't have full reign of our finances when we first got married because we're, we're in a healthy place. And so when I have seen that the differences that we have are not so that we can butt heads and compete, but they're actually to complement each other, to strengthen us and make us better. And so when we can learn to value our differences, it changes them from annoying habits into something that can strengthen us. Yeah, and what's so amazing is now I don't really look at any all the you know she handles all of it, the checking and all that stuff for the most part. So because um, I bring home the bacon. That's right. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was going to school then. I was you know I you know so now she's went to school. I'm and <laughs> but it's it's people change. Yes. Yes. People change, and what was once maybe a, a habit that was a bad habit, she's now so strong in that area. And I could name multiple things where she complimented my weaknesses. You know, I had a little bit of a temper. I could get aggravated. Before I send an email or a text or something like that, I literally usually let her see it first and be like, is this okay? Is this like, are we going to, you know, am I going to get I sued over this? All yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I would stew on stuff. And then she, I mean, I just, it was just amazing how God sends people into your life to complement your inadequacies, not compete against them. And he does that with your spouse, but he'll do that through other people to where where you lack, they're strong. Yeah. 
and it's and we see it in the book we see it the very men first mention of marriage in the book of genesis where you know the, the the first crisis in the bible was not the the apple in the fall the first crisis was that adam was alone and god looked down and said this isn't good it's not good for man to be alone and he created you know this he created woman out of him but i want you to see this they came from two different places adam was born in the wild there was no order yet eve came along and everything was in order and, and that's why i you know when you see a man and a woman come together they're very different but it's a beautiful combination of the two you know men like to hunt and kill stuff you know what i'm saying <laughs> women like to keep the house clean and do things like that and organize and you know so there you but you you see that all the way from the very first mention of marriage where men need adventure, men need to go out and do, you know, crazy things. And then women, there's different needs that they have, and they completely complement one another. And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so God has, I, I know that God has put in Caitlin what I needed, and I think he's done the same with me. And so it's this complementation that happens. It's Ecclesiastes 4. It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. Doesn't have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so I think that threefold cord, you may say, well, I'm not married. I don't have anyone. Anytime you include God into the relationships in your life, they're going to be strengthened. When you try to figure them out on your own, right, you've got that coworker that you work with and you're ready to just let him have it. Like if you try to handle it in your own strength, then you're probably going to make some mistakes. There's probably going to be some things you're going to regret. But when we can include God into the mix, no matter how tense it may be, no matter how long that you've been praying for the, right, the, mis, you know, the Mr. Right or Miss Right, like, like if you can just get what you need from God, God will take care of everything else. That's right. And that's the big picture, that marriage is a message. Our relationships are a message. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read this last verse, Ephesians 5, and then we're going to pray. So it gives us a really amazing kind of picture of this relationship of of a husband and a wife, and what it really symbolizes. And if you want to know why it's so hard to have a healthy marriage, this is why. If you want to know why marriage, it's, it doesn't, you're not just going to stumble into a healthy relationship. Because there's opposition against every relationship, but specifically a marriage relationship. And this is why. Ephesians 5, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. It's a beautiful picture. Wives give up their rights. They give up their interests. They give up so much. But then husbands are called to lay their lives down. So it's this mutual trust, this mutual sacrifice in this same way, husbands, you ought to love your wives as you lo love your own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they 
fed and they cared for their body just as Christ does for the church, for we are all members of his body. For this reason, back to Genesis, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is what I want you to see. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is the only relationship we have that sends a message to the world because it reflects the relationship that we have with God. Yeah, it's a direct representation of marriage. And when we talk about that, we're talking about us being the bride of Christ. And, you know, Jesus, he, he gave us such a beautiful example of what marriage should be like. He came to the earth. He had one purpose. He lived and, and walked. And he did so many amazing things while he was here. But then his purpose was to go to the cross, and he did that willingly. He went there and he endured people lying on him and, and beating him. And he was hung on a cross and he died for you and for me, the bride, his bride. And he rose again and he ripped the veil so that we could have direct access to him. He did all of this for his bride. And, you know, I have to think that when he was headed to the cross and maybe even when he was on the cross, he wasn't thinking about us, his bride, in the way that we sometimes think about our spouse or our partner. He wasn't thinking about how cute they are and how funny they are or we are. No, I think he was thinking about how we would reject him, how we would fail, how we would fall over and over and over again and how that some in his bride some that he loved so much to lay down his life would not even acknowledge him I think that's what he was thinking about and what's so amazing to me is he had all the power to get off the cross to change his mind to, to go a different direction but he stayed he stayed and then he took it a step further he prayed for those who were nailing him to the cross. He prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He prayed for us, his bride. He stayed, and he prayed, and that is the picture of what marriage should look like. Because it's hard. It takes work. There are times when you have every right to walk away and to never look back. But Jesus showed us a different picture. He showed us that you can stay. And what's amazing is he's not just the message for us to stay and to be faithful, but he's the message and he's the means because Jesus has to be the center of your relationship. And if he is the center, if he is the bedrock of your marriage, then when it gets hard, when those annoying habits turn into huge mountains that you don't see like you can get past, if He is your center and your foundation, He will walk you through it. He's our message, and He's given us marriage, which is beautiful and amazing. Y'all, there is nothing like it. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's annoying sometimes, but it's incredible. Isn't it? Come on, take this moment to say it's incredible so your spouse feels loved. It's amazing. Marriage is great, but it's hard work.
messages. You don't have to just be married to send a message about what a healthy relationship should look like. Your relationships, your most important relationships in your life, your family relationships, those that are closest to you, those are sending messages. And so as we get ready to close today, I want you to think for a moment, what are my relationships? What kind of message am I sending with my relationships? Am I loving well? Am I being gracious and long-suffering? Am I being generous with my words, with my actions? Am I being submissive and honoring? I want you to take a moment and think about that. What kind of message am I sending? Amen. Won't you do this? If you have your spouse with you, grab, grab their hand. If you're with your family, just join hands and... Uh, I just want to pray for all the relationships in this space because I know you don't you don't wear it on your sleeve. If you're having problems with family or problems in your relationship, that's not something you know a lot of people will openly discuss. But I want you to know that the God who created relationships can cure them. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you've been through, no matter how bad the fights have been. No matter, you know, how rough it seems to be to just stay. Sometimes that's a win. I get it. And I want us right now, I just want to, invite, I want you just to invite God into whatever relationship that is in your mind right now. If it's with your spouse, if it's with someone else, let's just bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for relationships. We thank you for marriage, that it's amazing have someone to do life with, to cry with, to laugh with. We thank you for all the relationships that you've given us. God, fr friends and family, and even relationships on the job, it's, God, we don't take them for granted. Lord, I just pray for everyone in here. I pray for just a renewed joy and strength in all of their relationships. Maybe they're in a marriage right now that seems to be on the rocks, and it's, it's more fighting, it's laughing. I just pray, God, even right now, turn their, their mourning into joy. God, turn their mourning into dancing. Lord, we invite you into the marriage. We invite you into every relationship that we have because the enemy knows that we need each other. We need people in our lives. We need the church. We need the people we work with. We need our spouse. We need each other. and we give the battle to you. We're putting down our guns. We're putting down the ammunition. He said, love covers. Love does not shoot. Love does not aim. Love doesn't store up a record of wrongs and when at the right time is there, they attack. No, love absorbs. It trusts. It covers. And we thank you, God, that you did that for us. You are our model the message and you are the means when it comes to forgiveness and it comes to life in our relationships Lord we look to you so I just pray God for every marriage to be strengthened this morning God every relationship between a, God a, a, a son and a father mom and daughter the enemy tries to get in and mess up relationships tries to turn siblings apart and turn families apart Lord, I just pray for a miracle. 
You are in the miracle working business and sometimes a miracle is just going to coffee with that person that you know you need to. So Father, we thank you so much. We give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.